it's interesting. It's, it's a cool time we're in because not only are people who are anti-label trying to figure it out, but the labels are trying to figure it out. The indies are trying to figure it out. Everyone is in an entrepreneurial mindset right now. And that's what's really cool about existing in the music industry today. So first off, I just want to say welcome to the podcast. And before we jump into the episode, let me tell you a little bit about myself and what you can expect. I have been in the business now for coming up on 30 years. What we're going to talk about in this podcast are things that go on in my day-to-day life, whether it be as a manager, whether it be as a consultant, whether it be as someone who is creating products that's helping musicians all over the world. If there's something going on in the industry, we're going to talk about it. If there's a strategy that needs to be taught, we're going going to talk about it. And if there's some way that I can help get you closer to your goal, then you are in the right place because that's what we are going to talk about here on the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Now let's jump into the episode. Helping you navigate the music industry. Here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. All right. So first and foremost, let me go ahead and warn everyone listening to this that if you have never been down a rabbit hole before, there is a great chance that you will go rabbit hunting today with Circa and myself. We have a tendency to uh, solve the world's problems in 45-minute phone calls, usually while I'm driving into work. I reach out to him in Florida. And the rest of my day, what's funny is people... And you don't even know this, but people ask me, they're like, so what do you do to prepare yourself? Because you record your podcast while you're driving usually. I said, usually I phone, I listen to either Creative Juice, uh, Perpetual Traffic, Gary Vaynerchuk, or, mm-hmm. I call, or I call you. Either <laughs> one usually fires me up with that motivation that I'm going to need to teach. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And before we jump into this, I do have Circa. One of uh, one half of the Creative Juice podcast with me today, and we are going to. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Let me just tell you that right now, because usually <laughs> him and I get into these conversations that I, I am so privileged to be able to have that access where we just get to vet with each other. And uh, you said something the other day. What'd you say? Something that I can. You want to punch me and hug me at the same time or some kind of... (laughs) I just said that you have this incredible knack for um, for just, you know, you're able to overcome objections in a way that gets people to like you afterwards. Like I I'll have some deeply held belief that you'll shatter with some kind of analogy and I end up. I end up being fine with you for that, which is not the case for <laughs> not the case for for many uh, salesmen. You know, like many people who know how to convince and influence, they end up leaving a sour taste once they sure. Just- I will. I take that as a compliment. You know what's funny though is that, and and it's one of those things too. Is and and I think you're a lot the same way. Is because you you have your beliefs. But what you also have is an open mind because all of us need to have our beliefs. You know, we need to believe in something, you know, it starts there, but you're always open to listening, which a lot of folks aren't, you know, and those are the people that I tell and I advise, be weary of those folks, those folks that are hard, fast on their opinion, and they don't want to hear about anything else. I mean, this business changes way too fast. We were talking the other day about, you know, if you're referencing a book, I go, well, remember that book probably took two years to research, probably took another year or longer to get out. 
So as it may have some valid points, some of the things might have changed. And that's what I love about you and what you're doing. So before we go down that rabbit hole, like I warned people of, tell everyone a little bit about yourself that's, that's new to, to you. Um, yeah, well, um, I, uh, my name's Circa. I, I run a company called Entrepreneur. We do music marketing, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, uh, I'm an independent musician since I was 12, I've had, you know, I, I was a rapper for 12 years and then I was a battle rapper and then I was a singer and a club singer. And, um, and now I'm trying to be a recording singer and I've always struggled with, uh, authority figures <laughs> and, uh, and I've always struggled with, you know, systematic approaches to, uh, to people. I, you know, systems typically end up getting corrupted and, I've been on that side of it forever. So I studied the music industry intensely because it's what I wanted to get into and found a corrupted system and not at the fault. I think you people tend to blame people and it's like no person is at fault. Like very large influential factors are at fault. It's not like a shadowy room with cigar smoking men who are trying to screw you over. And, um, that took me a while to learn. I used to think it was that. So, uh, through learning and through educating myself, I've realized, look, this is an impossible job with an even more impossible uh, industry that, that it's constructed in. And we, if I do anything useful with my life before I die, it'll be to help make that better for people like myself. Um, awesome. So that's what I'm about. And <laughs> you've done that. And, and what's interesting when you say the system, what I try to tell people, you know, whenever they say, Hey, you know, the music business, tell me about the music business. I said, unfortunately, we're trying to function in a dysfunctional business model because our rewards are not in direct proportion to the work that we put in. In most businesses, you add manpower, you add finances, you add equipment, and it solves all your problems. That's not necessarily the case in the music business. But what's great about the music industry today is that what we knew, it's, and what I like when I hear your podcast and, and you talk about things, in order to know where we're going, we have to understand history. Right. And history tells us that at a time, if it wasn't seen on television or heard on the radio, the, the message was that it wasn't good enough that that was the best right. of the absolute best was that these record company people were anointed by God to go out and find the absolute best people. And if you saw it on TV, saw it in the record store or heard about it, that that's all it was. And then the internet came along and was like, holy crap, there is some talent that's in the world today. Yeah. And then all these cool tools started showing up to help artists. YouTube came along, MySpace came along, Facebook came along. Uh, all of a sudden, CD Baby said, well, heck, we'll just digitize our whole entire catalog. We've got all these CDs. We've been helping independent yeah. artists sell. They became like day one iTunes best friend because they yeah. showed up with the biggest catalog at the time I of independent you artists. Start, you're hitting on something important, which is that like this industry wasn't complete. First of all, this industry has had, and I this is, this could be its own rabbit hole. So I'm just going to touch on this briefly. Is that Go like, for it. Fact, if I have to turn this into a five part. <laughs> series, I will. Yeah. So like the fact that we, the, uh, the entire sales mechanism for our industry is government mandated. Right. And I, this is something we talked about on our podcast, but like, that's not true for any other, there's very few industries right. where the entire economic engine is a set of laws. Right. 
And, and that's weird. And we've suffered consequences that are not easy to spot because of that. So the industry wasn't entirely figured out when the internet hit it. And that was fun when you could pretend as if these 10 artists this year are all that matters. Right. When the internet hit, we became very aware that that's not the case. We also became aware that music is music was one of the first things to be digitized outside of documents, right? So they made documents small enough that you could transmit them over the internet and they were digitized and that democratizes. You ever seen Peter Diamandis? He talks about the six D's of, yep. of uh, disruption. And so they get digitized and democratized and demonetized. So there's no real monetary value associated with this file. That happened to music second and then movies and now money it's happening to with cryptocurrency. So when the internet hit, not only does the internet have awesome effects to any industry it hits, but we weren't even prepared. It's not like we were safeguarded against the effects of the internet. We hadn't even yet figured out the economic engine. So it's an industry in flux that's trying to figure itself out after the most catastrophic thing that could have happened to it happened. So it's interesting. It's, it's a cool time we're in because not only are people who are anti-label trying to figure it out, but the labels are trying to figure it out. The indies are trying to figure it out. Everyone is in an entrepreneurial mindset right now. And that's what's really cool about existing in the music industry today. And for those of you that are new to this business, let me explain what Circa means by the government controls what you get paid. That is only on streaming royalties and the licenses. The government does not determine how much you sell a CD for at a show. The right. government does not determine how much you sell a T-shirt right. for at yeah. a show. But if you're going to try to live and die by the royalties that are paid to you from your copyright, the government has said this is all at the current moment that's allowed to be paid out. And then other countries, it's different how much is allowed to pay out. Spotify pays out different royalty streams based on whether it's a free program or the monthly paid it's like it's the wild wild west yeah. i don't think anybody really knows what's happening and i think that there's just it changes because it changes every day that's why there's nine billion dollars of unclaimed royalties sitting out there that are unclaimed is because nobody really knew what to do with it or how to do and there's a significant difference between unclaimed and untouched Right. <laughs> I wonder who's getting the interest off that night. Yeah. Where, how is that money moving? It's, and it's, it's alarming because, um, the, like to have the government wanted to, right. And government being us, right. Yeah. We voted it in. We wanted to reward, uh, great thinkers and great creative people with ownership over the fruits of their creation. Right. It was a great idea at the time, right. And that how we great chalked idea. it up at the time. It was brilliant. Great idea in principle. And like, I used to be, I'm more free market than I used to be. And as I see it, it's like when you have something unnatural about how your industry works and it's government mandated, that means it's slow to change. That means it's not perfect. And that means it kind of creates, creates a difference in every facet of your industry. So it's, you know, like it sucks that since the, you know, forever, for all, over a hundred years, Right. We have had this mechanism in place which can consolidate power, change the negotiating table, especially when these labels negotiate with iTunes. Like it's not just these labels and their interests, it's all of their catalog. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something that I've become more concerned about lately is, is copyright law and how it affects us. But you're right. Like the, I think the way to fight it is the fact that 
you still can go out to the free market and operate as if you're in a free market. You still can price a CD, whatever you want. You still can innovate. And if the only way out of it is to focus on that, I think another problem is that our industry has never been, everyone in this industry thinks they're business to business. Nobody's B to C, right? Everyone's looking for the guy who they can meet up with and partner with and maybe they're B2C, but that guy's looking for someone to meet up and partner with and maybe they're B2C. So. And B2C means business to consumer for those of right. you that, that don't understand that. And what, what's cool about all of this, and then we're going to move into so, uh, another area here, is that because of the technology, the technology allows you, we're not saying don't get your music on Apple, don't get it on Spotify, do right. get it on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, but don't expect to change your lifestyle unless you're Drake or Migo or The Weeknd or one of these major artists, like someone like Russ who doesn't have a deal. There's a lot of artists that are making really good money right now off streaming royalties that cannot sell a ticket to a live event. Look at at the people who have determined and decided – that they're B2C, Techno, Insane Clown Posse. These people tour year round and sell millions of dollars in merchandise and you don't even, you think of them as a joke, right? You know what's interesting though, Circa? They were B2C before it was even referred to as B2C. Hip hop guys have been hustling on the street selling mixtapes and CDs. Chameleonaire came up when completely (laughs) control. The only reason he had power in the industry because they were like, this guy can sell 100,000 mixtapes in Houston if he wants to. Right. Because he has control over the sales channel, which is what our industry is fundamentally lacked. And you can see that like the only guys in town in the majors right now who are doing B2C is Spotify, iTunes, right. Right. CD Baby, you know? So there's yep. very few stores. Be your own store, I think is the, the grand message of that. Well, and the thing is, is the technology is out there to do that. The resources are out there with the ability to do that. The artist that is just loves to complain about everything is going to always find a reason not to work and blame it on anyone else. It's like I said from you brought up CD baby. I was at the DIY musician conference and I said, you know, I said every year that I have been alive, I have made more money than I did the year before because the only person that determines how much money I make is me. Now the government has a part to let me know how much I keep, but as far as making money goes, that's on me. You know, there has never been a better time to be able to go out and make money. We always, I say we, and sometimes I'll say everyone, and those are very broad terms, but (laughs) a lot of times as creatives, we tend to get so focused on our art that when people don't consume it, we look for other people to blame instead of the fact that your art just might not be good enough yet. You know, that there's some things that you need to work on. Putting your painting in a back alley instead of a gallery and expecting it to get famous. Like, that's not going to happen, man. It's not the world that did that to you. No. We always say, I, well, I've, I've said it and I said it from the stage and I say it all the time. Find a hungry audience and feed it. A lot of you are trying to feed your stuff to the wrong crowd. And with Facebook marketing, you now can target the right crowd and you don't need all of them. One of the things I love about what you and Nino have done is that you create multiple opportunities a month for people to be able to transact with you for that B2C opportunity to happen. Most artists throw out a five song EP one time during the year and call it their release. And that's all they do. Yeah. Those people uh, are, are very misled 
on thinking that, well, if I sell enough of these records that maybe a record man will notice me and maybe they'll offer me a deal and I'll get to go work for the, you know, be on a major label and blah, blah, but blah, even blah, if they, blah. Even if they resign to say, I'm going to work on this myself, a lot of musicians still hold this inertia point in their mind. where like, I'm going to work as hard as I have to, to get to this point where I suddenly get things, I get more than I put in out. And yeah. that's never going to happen. Let like, me know when that happens and if you yeah. can package it. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's not going to happen. So there is no inertia point. There's no point where magically all of a sudden you have a perpetual motion machine that just keeps going without any input. And you're never going to be able to sign a deal that's going to afford you some kind of, some level of comfort where you don't have to accept more responsibility every single day. Like life is about finding meaning by figuring out just how strong and how responsible you can actually be. And I think musicians have it in them to be the best at that. But we have, you know, it's a wake up call thing. It's like, be that man. (laughs) It's interesting because today, and, and I'm blessed because I get to work on the major label side. I get to love on the independence on the independent side. I'm blessed to be able to touch both worlds, but right now advances from record companies. If that is your goal advances, are being paid to you, not based on the quality of your music, but based on the amount of engagement that their music's getting. There's people still signing $20 million advances right now, but they also have 800,000 monthly followers on Spotify and they're generating a billion streams a month. You know, that's what people are basing it off of. Not how that person sounds, not how that person looks, but is are they currently in the commerce game? And if they are, then these companies say, great, they've started the fire. We can put gasoline on the fire. No one at the major level that's smart. There are still people that do it and they end up failing a lot of times. No one's willing to start your career for you right now because of the fact that the tools are in place for you to start it yourself because it's still a business. Yeah. Also like labels don't want to make less money, right? They're very good at not doing that. That's their whole thing. And no one's going to make you an offer, a loan offer that isn't advantageous to them. So, you know, like, like, and we know this from being digital marketing, like the best bet for you is to create your own store. The companies, the success rate for companies that go and look for seed investment is criminally lower than those who decide I'm going to start selling a product today and I don't need permission from anyone. I don't need investment from anyone. I'll, I'll sleep. I'll, I'll not sleep for a month. I'll build it. You know, like I'll Russell do whatever Brunson. I got to do. Yeah. The Russell Brunson model. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like no one needs to give you permission to go do that yourself right now. And if you don't do that, you're much less likely to succeed. So I think like people, it's so exciting too. Like the idea that tomorrow you could go build something on a website and you could go create a product and you could like advertising is entirely democratized. You can go get it in front of exactly the right people for cheaper than has ever been possible. And people have more discretionary income to invest in your ideas than ever before. And you're just not making enough offers. I think the first thing I love that, that. Yeah, exactly. You got to make more offers, right? If you're not making any offers, figure out how you can. And if you're not making money at that, figure out how you can make more offers to people. I told somebody the other day, I said, look, bottom line, you're in the $1.29 friend business. 
If you can't get your friend to give you a buck 29 when your single hits iTunes, you've done something wrong. I said, hell, I just gave three bucks to a guy standing off on the side holding a sign. Why? Because he asked for it. As musicians, sometimes you're afraid to ask for it because it makes you look weird. You think, well, Beyonce doesn't have to ask for it. Jay-Z doesn't have to ask for it. They've been asking for it for a long time. If if Beyonce and Jay-Z and Taylor Swift were to start today, ground zero, no one woke up with a million fans, by the way. No one just all of a sudden was touring stadiums, and I just saw the Taylor Swift Stadium show. Holy crap. Uh, was that impressive, but Taylor Swift makes tons of offers. So many offers every day. It's It's just that they're not made personally by her in front of you. So you don't conceptualize it as, as she's making an offer, but her team's making an offer. And it's all things that she sits down as the CEO of her organization and hires people to say, we have a whole bunch of t-shirts that we didn't sell on this tour. Go make an offer, put them together as a bundle at least re- get back the cost of goods. When you get that big, you don't care about making money, but you still care about losing money. You know, it's like you go into a Garth Brooks show. I remember I go in, I'm like, damn, Garth Brooks got a hoodie for 20 bucks. Usually yeah. I go to a concert, hoodies are like $85. Yeah. And Garth's like, I just want people wearing a hoodie that says Garth Brooks. I don't make my money off my hoodies. I just got paid a million dollars to play this show. I'm okay. Right. Let me right. get as many billboards out there as I possibly can. Right. And yeah. I'm like, why are you the big, one of the biggest entertainers in the world? Because he's a businessman. And that's yeah. the thing. If you want to know the difference between Beyonce, Jay-Z, P. Diddy, Garth Brooks, Taylor Swift, you name it, is they are business people. You know, they, there's, there's a big difference between a superstar and a person that's a really great singer or a good artist. It's usually work ethic and how they treat their business. Because we have artists come and go all the time that are much better singers or much better dancers or we think much better performers, but they're not better business people or they don't have the right business team around them. And that's what I love what you guys do. And, and, and a lot of the same, we, we have a lot of the same vision is we're just trying to equip independence with the tools necessary to compete in the business they've decided they want to compete in. Whether they believe me or Circa or anyone else, we're telling you this for your own damn good. You know, it's like, this is how the business is. If you want to be a hobbyist, that's okay too. We can help you become the biggest little hobbyist in your town and sell more tickets to your show. But if you want to treat it like a business, then you need to look at things like the way you've just set up Indie Pro is it's like, here's the tools for your business, just like any business. Yeah, I, I think the fundamental charge here is that like I've seen uh, after after having been exposed to digital marketers, specifically e-com guys who basically take an idea that they think other people will resonate with and they slap it on a T-shirt and then they try to get a huge audience of people who resonate with that idea. And then the T-shirt is not the idea it's a representation of the idea that's monetizable, right? So you take Maxwell Finn down here in Orlando, who's a great e-com marketer. And he, his uh, first company was Startup Drugs. And it's all entrepreneurial style t-shirts. So it's like hustle hard and like, you know, game on. Like all these crazy shirts about the entrepreneurial life. He's, no one's buying them because they like, like, they, like, they, like of prior success on his behalf. No one's buying them because it's going to help them with their business, they're buying it because they like the idea. So it's a very clear proxy for how you might establish your creative uh, business as a musician. 
you're, you have ideas that you can gather people around and they'll buy products that are expressions of the idea, right? They're, they're encapsulations of that idea. So I think every musician right now should be kicking themselves if they're not an e-commerce business or aren't thinking of themselves like that. And it, the crazy thing is that like there's millionaires being made every single day in that world. Why not our world? Right. Correct. And I think it's because musicians are locked. I mean, one big reason is musicians are locked to thinking that the music is the t-shirt. It's not the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. It's not the music is the idea. The idea goes on the t-shirt, right? So what your products, like it, figuring out how to monetize a digital file is not your goal. Your goal is to figure out how to monetize the audience that you can create with that digital file. Well, and one of the things that I I share with people too, is that if people are spending money with you on your music, they're not investing in your music because they can get your music anywhere. They're investing in you. And it goes back to the relationship. You know, it's like, the, the music is like your calling card. It's the best thing you have. And I always tell folks, hey, there's a lot bigger markup on a T-shirt than there is on a download. And there's a lot yeah. bigger markup on a concert ticket than there is on a download. One of the do you think, do you think that, uh, that, that you, like I take the average musician, do you think you've done more work creatively than, uh, than let's say Russell Brunson on his podcast in the last year? No way. There's no way. Right. He, recorded, right. he records it every day and has new ideas every day. But does anyone pay for that podcast? No. He sells other products. He's gathering an audience that is around the same idea and then pointing them to other products he offers, right? And that's like a model for us. Well, I pay $500 a month to put my podcast out because I just record the audio and someone else edits it, puts the intros on it, does the show notes and everything else. So I pay $500 to build brand awareness, to build brand loyalty to go, holy crap, that guy might know what he's talking about. I'll go grab his book for free. So what I do is I send you to something else that I'm giving you. And then at some point when the opportunity is right, if there's an opportunity, you see something that makes sense, then I hope that you're going to come into my world. But these are all business expenses. These are all marketing expenses. This is what we have to do in order to cut through in a very noisy world right now. The amount of money, I'll tell you this right now, and I I bet you I'm safe to say this. The amount of money that both Circa and I have invested in our own knowledge and education to give it to you for free I, I bet you it's close to $100,000. I know this year I spent forty grand just getting certified as a Facebook marketer, going and spending yeah, time man. with Dennis Yu and Billy Jean, and I spent $15,000 with Ryan Levesque and the Ask Method. I just spent $20,000 having somebody help me write a better webinar. I mean, that's what I, I – everybody's laughs. They go, Rick, but you didn't even finish high school. No, but, dude, mm-hmm. I got an MBA right now in dude. common freaking sense. I, I was living in a closet, right? And spending hours a day listening to podcasts and reading yes. Neil Patel, right? So there, and the crazy thing is that like you can get from zero to one for free. You don't even need to pay anything to get right. from zero to one. Right. You just sweat equity. And then from one to two, it's so much easier because you have a little bit of money and you're not starving. And so I think that, yes, it's insanely difficult to get from zero to one compared to like from three to four. Totally. Right. right. But yeah, it's like, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Right? <laughs> one of the things that we have to, 
the biggest mindset, and I said this from the stage the other day, I said, it's amazing to me how many independent artists are unwilling to invest in themselves, want what we have to offer for free and get upset if we don't give it for free, but they're the same people whining and complaining that the fans want the music for free and they can't get the fans to give them any money for the things that they create. And I, I it's just, it's nuts. We have to look at it all in abstract, right? Like, I think we've conflated some ideas. Like, do you, like, I think people really believe that their concert is about the music, which it's not. It's about the experience. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can listen to all those songs for better audio quality at my house for free. And I, the only reason I'm coming to the concert is because I love those songs. So you realize how we've transformed my love of this music into something it's not really about. What am I going to a show for? Recreation. I need right. something to do with my friends that says something about who I am. So I'm buying tickets to the show to have something to do on a Saturday night with my friends that emboldens my experiences of who, what my identity is. But it has, no, it has almost nothing to do with the fact that I'll get to listen to the music there. Almost nothing. No, because I spat this weekend at the Taylor show. All I heard were the little girls and moms behind me singing every <laughs> right. word of the damn song, not Taylor. Right. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And, I, and so, I think, too, go ahead. Well, I just to say that, like, it doesn't take much mental work to separate the music out as just a, it's just bait, right? right? It just organizes the audience around something. And the vehicle for monetizing that audience does not have to do too much with the music. It really doesn't. You know, it doesn't have to be a CD. It's, it's, it's one of those things where I think right now, as long as you look at the business for what it is, as long as you come in with realistic expectations, as long as you realize that almost everything that you need to do comes with a free 30 day trial, <laughs> when you were talking about going from zero to one, it's like, if you do your homework in the beginning, if you go and listen back to my podcast. You're not even lying, man. I got the ClickFunnels 30-day trial, and the heat was on. The heat was on. That's when we first built the audio trip for Nino. It's yes. like, it was like, we need to make this work. And then when $97 a month comes in, the We're heat good. on even harder. It is because you have to subsidize that now. You got to make sure. The thing is, though, is that a lot of times you'll start your 30 day trial on something and then have to go learn all the stuff that could have helped you if you had learned the stuff first and then started the 30 day trial. Because, and and everybody goes, it's like you can go start your first 20, 30 bucks of Facebook advertising dollars by going into your garage, finding anything with a cord, taking a picture of it, putting it up on eBay, (laughs) and somebody, you can make 20 bucks. You can make well, 30 I, bucks. Man, when I first found out, right, of all the things you can do with digital marketing, like you couldn't possibly have stopped me from right. trying it out. I right. had to get my hands on it. Right. And I learned all that for free. So I think it, I'm like, uh, it's hard for me. You get jaded after doing it so long, but I'll never lose that moment where I'm in the backyard of the studio, like working out with like yard weights and, and listening to podcasts and going, holy shit, I can, there's nothing stopping me from starting any business, any business, music or otherwise. So, um, yeah, I think if we can just, if people can get that bug where they're like, wait a minute, 
I can get, I can reach 2 billion people. I can reach them targeted. I can develop a one-to-one relationship with them over many years and I can build that and that can be my life. Like that's crazy, man. Well, it's like I spent $300 on an experiment to get 5,000 people to watch 100% of my video, which meant there was no beer being sold in the background, nobody trying to hit on chicks. It's like I had their undivided attention and it cost me two cents. And a lot of people couldn't understand how great that was. And I'm like, oh my word. It's like, what would I would give a dollar, $10, $15 to get someone's attention. And Facebook's allowing me to do it for two cents because not only that it's going to give you a way to reach back out to them and not be reaching anyone who didn't do that. Right. Right. So only those people who made it there, it's going to let you reach back out to them exactly when and where you want to. And Nuts. all you, and, and, and inexpensive and it's, and it's going to be as so inexpensive. I love what Gary Vaynerchuk says. He's like, guys realize this. Once those $88 billion that are on TV and radio, once they realize how cheap the real estate is on Facebook and Instagram, then we're going to be out. So right now the goal is to continue to take this underpriced real estate, get as much out of it as you can build the relationship to the point where you get their email address And now once the big players come in, if you've gone and built an email list of 10, 15, 20,000 people that know you unstoppable, that you can make $10 offers every month to you now are almost hitting a seven figure business at that point on your own terms. And no one can tell you no. I was, yeah, I, I remember when that first hit me, like I was working in a company where I didn't have much control, but I, I, I like I I was purported to have control, but I didn't have much control. But I wanted to implement it immediately. I was like, "Wait! I, all we have to do is just collect email addresses. We just need to get email addresses of people who are the right people. And if we can build that up, like it doesn't matter. We'll be fine. And like it's just such a miraculous idea to build a list, to build an audience, and and, and it doesn't slip away because people think. I go to social media and I'm going to do all this work posting and I'm going to do all this stuff. And they don't see the cumulative return because there isn't one, but with all these social advertising platforms and email lists and other forms of marketing that aren't organic social, you don't lose it. You know exactly how much it is. It doesn't slip away. It gains every time you go back out to the sea and fish. So it's like, it's just like a cumulative process, like putting money in the bank. It's nuts. It, and, it's, and it's one of those things that, and that's why we're going to harp on you a lot of times is to maintain the relationship with that email list. You've worked so hard, you've invested time, you've invested money to get something that's very personal to someone. Once you get it, don't abuse it. Once you get it, learn how to treat them like your friend. Don't just show up when you need stuff. Don't just vote for me, do for me, look at me, 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 me. We hate our friends that are in our lives to just show up when they need shit. So don't be that person and don't be that artist. So what we're trying to tell you is this, use the tools that are available to you, continue to educate yourself because the way that these tools work change every single day. I just listened to the perpetual traffic podcast yesterday with the seven new changes that are coming through the ads (laughs) manager. So we're always staying on top of what's happening always be learning and tell me a little bit before, before we head out of here and we're going to make sure that this is in the show notes. Tell us what you did with Indie pro and why that's so important. And, and folks, let me start by telling you this. I first met circa 
he had a YouTube video. It was either a YouTube or a Facebook. I can't remember. He had this awkward camera sitting <laughs> on a table. He yeah. didn't even have like a cool tripod. He was slot. It was at like a laptop level. camera. Like, yeah, he was sliding yeah. back and forth through this chair, writing out stuff on a whiteboard. And <laughs> I was like, I reached out. I'm like, dude, let me buy you a tripod. Your stuff's so good, <laughs> but it's awkward as hell to watch you. I but also goes to show you like you can get in and with digital marketing, you oh. don't need the best things to get started. No, yeah. you had a whiteboard, a chair and a camera and you propped it up on whatever it was. But he then made an offer for a program he had called FanFinder, and I bought it immediately. And, and we had not really talked or had this communication. And somebody's like, Rick, why would you buy a program when you sell programs because <laughs> I don't know what he knows. No right. one has just one CD on their shelf or one playlist or one weight loss book or whatever. Right. He also comes at it from a different mindset. He comes at it from the independent artist. I'm not an independent artist. I come at it from the manager side, the label side. Right. Uh, I come at it from my angle. But one of the things that we love when we have our conversations is I always learn so much and I get a lot of cool takeaways because he's out experimenting with things his way. I'm experimenting with things my way and we're able to sit down and share that information with each other. And then we take that information back into our groups. It's like at the DIY conference, I shared a new list of audiences to put in in countries based off what Circa and Corinne created. Right, so right. Corinne's out running ads all the time. She goes, hey, Circa, here, there's more than just the, the white five, as we right. call them. Yeah. There's a lot more other countries that yeah. are doing with music. So I was able to then go from a 1% audience of 2 million to 4.3 million based off this list. We're constantly yeah. sharing with each other. So you went ahead and created Indie Pro. And wh- what is it and why did you create it? Well, um, I, I've started with FanFinder because I had all these things that I had learned. So I, I, when I, I wanted to implement digital marketing into music, I got the opportunity to do it with one of our very first case studies, Nino Bless, um, who we still do some work with to this day. And, um, and so I learned a lot during that process. I also had a chance to do it with some other folks, um, but I didn't get to do as much. So I knew all this stuff. But I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to create a training that allows other people to at least feel some of the impacts of this, what's the first thing I can do? And it's ideally was, I think the main problem for indies is like, how do I get a fan base? How do I get people to actually who don't know who I am to now know who I am and like my music? And that's what our fan finder campaigns do. So we taught fan finder first because it was like, that's why people quit is because they think that's impossible. And they, they just quit in frustration. So let's stop people from quitting, number one. And put that out. But then it was like, we have so many other things that we've learned and we learn more every day because now we run an agency. So we're, we get high volume exposure to different ideas and, and we try new things all the time. So it was like, well, we don't want to keep putting out courses that are standalone. We have to build marketing processes for those courses, support processes. Why don't we put it all in one house? And one of my favorite companies in terms of what I learned digital marketing from is Digital Marketer. And they offer something called Digital Marketer Lab, which was a godsend to me starting out because it, like, especially starting out because I used to market businesses. And when I had this resource, I could dip in and swipe and steal and deploy any (laughs) campaign that I want to, right? And they've got like 36 different campaigns that you can deploy. So I was like, I want to do something like that 
right? Where if, first of all, it's low impact to us as a company, because I can just sit here and make trainings and add them all day right? I don't have to create a whole new thing just to get the training out. And then we wanted indies to be able to access that at their need level. So you probably don't need to buy a whole course. You probably just need to get a membership, dip in, learn what you need to learn. If you need to stay, stay. If you need to go, go. So that it, it made so much sense from the beginning to have that be the business model. Let's put everything we know into one area and let's, let's allow people to access it on a monthly level instead of buying all these training standalone. But we were also able to package in with that our Facebook group, which now has over 2,500 members. And wow. it's not like other music Facebook groups that you might be in, and I certainly am a part of, you know, where people are just there's a frenzy of like different disjointed levels of, of understanding. It's a lot of people on the same page right. trying to do the same thing. And so we added that to the membership. And then we also come live uh, every like week this, on yep. Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah. To talk about just the newest things, answer questions, audit people's assets, help them out on a personal level. And so that's kind of why we did it is because I could think of no better way to get all this information out to people at a very low price point, which when you're dealing with indies, like is, is a more, more of a concern than when you're dealing with majors, majors waste more money than they'll spend on your, you know, advice every month. <laughs> so. Well, and, and I've, I've been a, a big fan of what it is. I think it's fantastic. Somebody came up to me this week at the DIY musician conference and they said, Hey, uh, Per your recommendation, I joined uh, Indie Pro, but I haven't joined your program yet. Is it a waste to have both of you? And I said, I absolutely don't think it's a waste to have both of us. I said, we don't have a whole lot of overlap either. And we, we don't. Criminally, yeah. we, we probably don't talk enough about, which is all of the admin that you're going to have to do in order to even be in a place to deploy these strategies without wasting a lot. And that's what I told him. As I said, I'm going to make sure that you've got things set up. I'm going to talk to you more about organic social. They kill it when it comes to paid advertising. Uh, One of the things that's great about what you do is that because people are coming in at such a low point of entry and a low cost of entry is it allows them some funding to go experiment with some of the things that you're going to teach them how to do. Uh, One of the things that I've learned, I love what you brought up about your group. I feel the same way. Those that pay, pay attention. The people that are in that group that you have and that I have paid to get in there. The questions they ask, sometimes I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is a really smart question. Like I'll have to go do some research now. I tell people, they're like, why do you talk to people every week? I said, and answer questions. I said, cause that's usually how I get my next podcast topic. Or I go, wow, enough people ask this. I better create a training on it. You know, right. and I think you people do. shake you loose and start thinking about something in a different way. Right. Like right. that also happens to me all the time. I love it. So we'll make sure that in the show notes, you know how to go find Indie Pro. If this is the first time you found me and I'll be sharing this in a couple of different places. But if this is the first time you found me on the podcast, uh, no, they normally don't go this long. But this right. is a conversation that I've wanted to have for a long time. Uh, the cool part is, uh, you can go find out more about me at rickbarker.com while you're there, click on the podcast link. You can download the show notes from this. We'll make sure everything is taken care of in there. Also, I'd love to give you a free copy of my book. It's called the $150,000 music degree. So grab that while you are there also. Boom. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I appreciate this. Uh, I'm excited, uh, to start trying to convince you. And I know Corinne's doing the same thing. Uh, check out Creative Juice Podcast. If you haven't, 
gotten to it yet, we'll make sure there's a link for that. It's awesome. They are accustomed to going an hour and an hour, 20 minutes on their podcast. I'm usually in that eight minute to 40 at the most, but we definitely took care of that today. Um, (laughs) Make sure you follow them, but I'm trying to get you to be open more to speaking, to going out and doing these events like I've done. I know you've been very, you know, kind of laid back on this thing and you kind of work in your own little room. But I think what you have to offer and the perspective that you bring is fantastic. You're a lot like me. You're a very solution oriented person. And I think you have a lot to offer. So maybe some of you guys can guilt him into thinking <laughs> that, you know, say, dude, I would love to come hear you speak, or I'd love to come meet you in person. Cause right. I mean, hell, you just met your damn business partner for the first time and you guys have been working together for a year. Yeah. What's yeah, up yeah. with that? You know, yeah. so you don't want to meet anybody, not just <laughs> your business partner. I feel if people get, you know, get close enough to me, they realize all of my flaws. No. <laughs> That is too funny. Uh, also, to remind me, I want to teach you how to not be left-handed unless you are left-handed with your guitar, and I want to be able to read your shirts the right way on your Facebook Lives. You know how to flip that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If not, I'll teach you. I was last night. I was trying to read your shirt. I'm like, what the hell is that shirt you say? Buddy, I appreciate you, and uh, I, I'm, I'm excited that you took the time to do this, and we will talk again sooner rather than later. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Always a pleasure. hope you enjoyed this episode of the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Remember, there is no one-size-fits-all model when it comes to the music industry. So check out my website, rickbarker.com, take the quiz, and I will send you information specific to you to help make sure that you are on the right track. You've been listening to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast with Rick Barker. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Barker Music. And remember, you don't drown by falling into the water, you drown by staying there.